You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. So it's an honor to be with you again. I do bring you greetings, as you heard Ken tell you. I served for 15 years at Columbia Theological Seminary with Doug Taylor, who's sitting right here, Vice President for Church Relations and Development. Uh, I served uh, there as a professor uh, in education. Honored to be with you. And now I'm four months in a place called Prairie Village, Kansas, at the Village Presbyterian Church. So greetings on behalf of your sisters and brothers at Columbia Seminary, also at Prairie Village in uh, Village Presbyterian Church worshiping now this morning as well. So listen for the word of God as it comes to us this day. This is Mark. This is the 12th chapter, the 13th through the 17th verses. It is uh, Jesus's conversation with some religious leaders of the day. And it seems an appropriate text for you and for me on this 4th of July weekend when tomorrow we celebrate for the 240th time the independence of this country. And that is cause for celebration. So this text comes to us from Mark 12, 13 through 17. Listen for the word of God for us this day. Then the religious leaders sent to Jesus some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what Jesus said. And they came to Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then Jesus said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? And they answered, The emperor's. And Jesus said to them, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God, the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so we have this text about Jesus Christ in Mark 12. Uh, the gospel, the 12th chapter, actually is a series of tests. This is the first of four tests. The religious leaders are concerned about this Jesus of Nazareth, and they send some of their persons to go and test to see if this really is the Messiah. This is the first test. The first test is about paying taxes to the government. Is it lawful to pay taxes? Taxes to the government. Oh, the second test is if a woman marries a husband and then he dies, and according to the tradition, she marries his brother and he dies, and then marries the brother and he dies, and this happens seven times, after the resurrection, whose wife will she be? <laughs> to be honest, that's not my first question about this woman. If she's married seven brothers and they've all died, I have other concerns. <laughs> like, what is she making for dinner? 
Anyway, so the second test is about whose wife will this woman be in the resurrected kingdom. Oh, the third test is a great one. You know this. Come on, Bible scholars. They quiz Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? There are 613. The rabbis have said there are 613 commandments. Boil it down, Jesus. Give us the greatest commandment. Then the fourth test is if the son of of David is to be the Messiah, then how can it be that King David refers to the Messiah as Lord? It's a genealogy question. If the Messiah is to come from David, then how can King David refer to the Messiah as Lord? Four tests. This first one comes over paying taxes. So you know this. In this time, Every adult in Palestine had to pay an annual tax to the emperor. It was a poll tax. It was due to the emperor, and it could not be paid in local currency. The only currency that was acceptable was Roman currency. They had to use a denarius from the Roman treasury. Many of the Jews hated this. It was also a problem because the denarius itself, on the denarius, has the face of whom? Caesar. On the backside, actually, also usually is a figure, usually a woman, and she's sitting on a throne, and there's some kind of claim about the divinity of Caesar, usually, and she's holding two things, a scepter and an olive leaf in her hands to symbolize the peace of Rome, the power that Rome has over all the earth. Remember, for the Jewish people, any graven image, any creation of an image, idolatry was a problem. So Jews hated both the coinage, but also having to pay the tax. So there are these religious leaders who send Pharisees and Herodians, and they say, go find this Jesus of Nazareth and ask him, is it lawful to pay taxes? So they find Jesus, and they ask him the question. The phrase Herodians describes a group of people, we only see this twice in the, all of the Gospels, both in Mark's Gospel. It seems to indicate people who are attached to King Herod. King Herod, remember, was placed in power by whom? By the Roman authority. So the Herodians would benefit from paying taxes. They want Jesus to answer yes. But most of the Jews want Jesus to answer no because they hate this idea of having to pay taxes and this coinage that shows an image on it. Jesus asks this profound question. Given the coin, he says, whose head is on it and whose title? They answer what? Caesar's. Then he says, so give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And the text says, Mark says, they were utterly amazed. Gene Peterson, in his message, says, their mouths hung open, speechless. I love that. They're trying to trip up the Lord, and he 
gives a brilliant answer. Everything in the text hinges on his question. For years, I overlooked that. He asks the question, whose head is on this coin? He's asking the question because he's teaching. He can see it. He knows who this is. But he wants them to articulate that it is the emperor's. And that's how he answers, then give to the emperor what is the emperor's, and give to God what is God's. It all hinges on the image. It's about the image. For years, many theologians have said, well, this is an indication of the separation of church and state. We are Americans, most of us in this sanctuary. We can give allegiance to the state and allegiance to God. That's what we do. We are dual citizens. We hold dual citizenship equally as Americans in the United States and as followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God. Lately, scholars have been hinging on that question, whose head is this? Whose image is this? Because what it does is it reminds us of Genesis, Genesis 1.26, when God says, let us make humankind in our, in our image, in our likeness. Jesus seems to be saying, this image is Caesar's. So it goes to Caesar. But the image of God belongs to God. Remember, you are created in the image of God. Theologians call this in Latin, the imago dei. Translates, image of God. Turn to a person next to you and say, you are the image of God. Turn to a person, other person, and say, you are the image of God. Later theologians, we talk about the Imago Christe, not just the Imago Dei, but also the Imago Christe. What is the Imago Christe? Come on. Ah, you also the image of Christ. Turn to somebody else and say, you are the image of Christ. You are the image of Christ. So if this is true, if you give to Caesar that which has Caesar's image and you give to God that which has God's image, guess what? We belong to God. There is no dual citizenship here. There is no, oh, yes, I'm equally a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and an American. No. There is only one citizenship here. You and I, because we are created in the image of God, because we bear God's image, we belong to God. That's our first and only allegiance. Now, clearly, I am grateful for the privilege of being an American. I am grateful that today, you and I, choose can come here freely. I am mindful that today there are women and men and children and young people who are doing this, who are worshiping God at the risk of their lives. I am mindful of that. 
I am mindful that we have more Syrian Christians outside of Syria right now in refugee camps because they were not safe to stay in Syria because of ISIS. I am mindful of that. But our allegiance is not to the United States. Our allegiance is to God, which means we also get to hold our government and all governments accountable when believe that they are not doing that which God desires for all of creation. Here's the challenge. If you are created in the image of God, and if I am created in the image of God, then it means we look at ourselves and each other and other human beings as created in the image of God. And it changes the conversation. It's my greatest problem. I am so quick to view others as them. It's part of my sinful nature. So several years ago, I was privileged to take some students from Columbia Seminary to West Africa, to Accra, to Ghana, to visit the Presbyterian Church of Ghana. And we were supposed to get there through London, but we ended up being delayed. And so where we fly to change flights out of Atlanta, we ended up going to Amsterdam instead. Instead of arriving during the day, we arrived in the middle of the night. It was exhausting. Um, some friends of mine who work for the national offices in Louisville, the Presbyterian Church, got wind that I was going to go. And they said, hey, if you're going to go, do you have room? Would you mind taking a missionary bag with you? And I said, I'd be happy to. I'm just taking one check bag. I've got my backpack. I can take one more check bag that'd be fine. They said, great. It's actually safer for us. It's certainly cheaper. We're going to give you a bag. There's going to be some legal documents in there and some things that our missionaries there in West Africa are asking for. They'll meet you at the airport. I said, I'd be happy to. That was no problem. I got the bag. It was shipped to me at Columbia Seminary. It was a big bag. It was heavy, but I thought this is easy for me to do. I'm glad to do it. Uh, the, when they said me, they said there's a note. We wanted to be careful. Um, security isn't the same there in Accra as it may be at Hartsfield-Jackson or or at JFK, or at SeaTac. So be careful. Um, some people might try steel bags. I'm not proud of this, but that sort of made it into my memory. I thought, oh, yeah, we don't want to lose bags. So I went out to Home Depot, actually, and got these duct tape colors that were bright and obnoxious. And I remember I actually X'd all of our group's bags. So we knew these are the American delegation bags. And sure enough, we were delayed, and we got there in the middle of the night. We were all exhausted. There was no jetway. They pulled up these big, huge stairs to this on the flight of the tarmac, this plane. And we got off the stairs, and we're looking to the left. And right away, they had already begun to open up the cargo hold. And there were guys who were just throwing bags out onto the, onto the concrete. I yelled to my group, get our bags! <laughs> and so everyone runs downstairs, and they're going for all of our bags that have all of our markings on them. And we found the pastor who was there waiting for us. and waiting for hours. I was so grateful. Follow that pastor! And so we're all in line. And because I'm sort of big, and I can, I can do this, I made sure that our group was in front of me. And I, I, I had the missionary bag in my own rollerboard, and we're going through, and people are pushing at us, and they're trying to get to us. And some of them are trying to help. Yeah, right, I know, that kind of help you want to offer. Um, and so they're saying, we'll help. And I said, no, no. And so I, not, I'm not proud, but I, the missionary bag was great. It was heavy, but it had a really strong handle, and I could use it to sweep Ghanaians aside. And so I'm making my way through, and they're in front of me, and I'm pushing them aside, and they're going, whoa, whoa. Anyway, just at that moment, 
um, the, the crowd parts, and this beautiful young woman is standing right there in front of me. And she's gorgeous, young woman. And she has, oh, if you've been to sub-Saharan Africa, you know, she has this gorgeous, dark, dark black skin. It's so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. It's almost blue tint. It is the most beautiful skin I've ever seen. And she's beaming, and she has her eyes, her uh, eyes and her arms wide open. And she says, welcome, my brother, to Africa. And I'm thinking, you're beautiful, but you ain't getting my bag. <laughs> So I shove her aside, not hard, but I push her aside, and I'm moving along, right? And she's persistent. She's walking beside me, and she's saying, why do you not greet me? Why do you not, brother, why do you not stop? And then she says, Roger. I was like, ooh, dang, you're good. But you aren't getting my bag. So I'm going along, and she continues, and then she insists, and she pushes in front of me, and she stands there like this. And she says, Roger, why do you not greet your sister? And I thought, I'm an American. You are Ghanaian. Look at you. Look at me. I'm of Japanese descent. There is no relationship here. Nice try, lady. And she reaches into her blouse, and she takes out this. And she holds it like this to me. This is a cross that was given to over 5,000 young adults at the closing worship service of the Presbyterian Youth Triennium at West Lafayette, Indiana's Purdue University three weeks earlier. She was an international delegate from the Presbyterian Church of Ghana. I had been there just for a couple days, and I had met international delegates. I was one of the leaders, and I said hi, and they had us meet them in a ballroom. There were 200 of them. I remember coming off the platform, going to the exit door, and the Ghanaian delegation, 11 of them, were right there, and she was one of them. And they surrounded me, and they said, thank you for inviting us. We're so glad to be here. I said, oh, where are you from? And they said, oh, we're from Ghana. I said, Ghana, I'm going to be in Ghana in three weeks. That's all I said. That was it. They said, really? I said, yes. She had gone through the entire conference. She traveled back to Accra. She traveled a day and a half back to her village in northern Ghana, dropped her things off. They had a welcome worship service for her. She said, I'm sorry, I can't stay. I have to go back to Accra. They asked why. She said, because my brother is coming, and I want to greet him when he comes home. She traveled a day and a half back. <clears throat> she spent three nights on the floor at Kotoka International Airport in Accra, waiting and greeting every single international flight. She looked at me doing this. <sighs> I dropped my bags. I said, my sister, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you. Thank you for welcoming me home. And she said, of course, you are home in Mother Africa. She bears, like you and me, the image of God. Our allegiance is to the God of the universe. 
the one who sent his only son to die for us, the one who sustains us by God's Holy Spirit. Our allegiance transcends national boundaries. She is not a Ghanaian. I am not an American. Our allegiance is that we are Christian, sister and brother. Whose image is this? Well, then let that image belong to Caesar. Whose image are you? Whose image are you? You are God's image. Then you belong? What? To whom? You belong to God. When those images are distorted, when we forget that we bear the image of Christ, then the result is Dhaka and Bangladesh. The result is Brussels. The result is Istanbul. The result is Roseburg, is the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. The result is broken images. Friends, our allegiance is not to our nationality. Our allegiance is to the one who is the savior of the whole world. That's who we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.